You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Nick Westergaard hosts a great podcast called On Brand. Nick, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. On Brand features my conversations with smart marketers and agency professionals, as well as those working for innovative brands like Adobe, Ben & Jerry's, MasterCard, Salesforce, and more. Tune in and you'll learn how to tell stronger stories and build better brands. Amazing. Where can people subscribe. You can go to onbrandpodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcast.net, or search for On Brand with Nick Westergaard wherever you get your podcasts. That's two A's in Westergaard. You heard him. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. You are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cassell. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Michael Ashford. He is the director of marketing at thereceptionist.com or the receptionist for iPad. And he is also, I just learned this, a TEDx speaker coach out in Colorado. So really cool to have you here and really excited to talk about the topic that we're going to talk about today. Patrick, man, thanks so much for having me on. Always good to uh, to chat with you and connect. Always good. So you told me before we started that you were a TEDx speaker coach. And now I'm like, my brain is going like, wow, maybe we should talk about that. And we also were going to talk about the psychology of change. I think we can create a conversation that has both of those uh, topics intertwined. So tell me a little bit about like why the psychology of change feels like an important topic to you and how you've been kind of seeing that conversation come up in your circles and how you've been speaking about that in, in general. Well, this will flow into TEDx because it, it, it was the topic or the preliminary topic of my first TEDx talk that happened at the event where I am now the head speaker coach, TEDx Manitou Springs, which is a small community right outside Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I was the first speaker at the first event way back in 2021, uh, still kind of height of the pandemic. But I started actually my personal podcast, The Follow-Up Question, in 2020, as we were experiencing just this massive societal upheaval of, of course, the pandemic, we had the presidential election between Trump and Biden. And then we had just the um, the the racial angst that was happening in the wake of the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. And so I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and just thinking I'm watching the news and I'm like, I don't think this is an accurate representation of who we are. I think we have the ability to find more common ground to affect more positive change with each other than the news, social media would have you believe. And so that really set me off on this journey that led to my TEDx talk that led to me thinking about not only, you know, can people change? But if they can, if you believe they can, then how and why do they change? What are the factors? What is the psychology that has to take place of that person, of the person that's trying to change that person? <laughs> that has led me to not only explore that on my podcast, we we explore that um, on our podcast with uh, with The Receptionist. Our show is called The Fabric. It's all about company culture and how we manage that as a company grows and shifts and changes. And yeah, that was the topic of now two of my TEDx talks that happened with TEDx Manitou Springs. And then, yeah, I was invited to be the 
the head speaker coach after giving a couple talks. So long-winded answer to your question, perhaps, but that's that's what got me thinking about, yeah, how how do people actually change? How is how is change truly affected and sustained? I love that. I mean, I think that's such an important existential question to ask, especially while all of this stuff is happening, right, in society. And yeah, it's a good time to start questioning that because I think you do get into this headspace where it's like you just see the bad, you just see the bad, and it's very overwhelming. And I think it's really easy to get lost in that and say, everything is bad. Everyone is bad. Nobody can come to this like middle ground place where we can have actual discussion or conversation. So there's extrinsic and external factors when we're talking about change, right? And what have you kind of come to terms with, or what's your conclusion on this? And when you're asking that question, like, can people change and what's the motivation and reason behind it? I think your answer to that first question tells me a lot. Do you believe people can change? Like, if if you don't, then how will you tend to show up in conversations with con- when conflict and disagreement exist? You're gonna you're gonna find you're gonna find ways to try and control and force change out of people or or force change onto people. And so many of us don't have the control and the authority to do that. We we and so it happens when we we focus our attention on trying to change things that are outside of our ability to change them, outside of our our focus of control. So much of social media and the news is 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 the dominant topic is things that are are these huge issues that are are being handled by people far far away that get us all in a, in a stir and a rush to try and change something that we honestly don't have a lot of ability to affect that change. So your answer to that question, if it's no, can people, ch- do I believe people can change? No, you're going to try and force it. And we all know that never works <laughs> or rarely works unless we have this, this uh, autocratic control to, to force change. And even then it's not sustainable. You're not getting to the heart of true change. So if you do believe that people can change, if you do answer that question with the affirmative, yes, I believe in people. And by the way, Patrick, everyone I have ever asked that question of, 100% of the time they've told me that, yes, I believe people can change. We want to believe people can change. We know people can change. We want that for people. There's an optimism still remaining there, no matter what the rest of the world tells you or looks like. If you believe people can change, and I believe that you do, then you have to start asking questions of why and how. And um, uh, leadership coach and author John C. Maxwell said it my favorite way. He said that people change when they learn enough that they want to, when they see enough that they're inspired to, when they receive enough that they're able to, and when they hurt enough that they have to. One of those things is not like the other, Patrick. (laughs) I don't know about you. I don't know about anybody listening to this. I never want to hurt somebody to change. I never, and that's that's another way of saying force someone to change. So our goal then, if we want to affect change, should be to teach and to inspire and to provide the avenues and the, the methods and the ways that people can change without forcing that on people. And because, and final point here, how people change matters. People change 
when they are given the space to come to that decision to change themselves, when they are given the, the tools, the tactics, the information, the ideas, the inspiration to say, you know what, this, there is such a dissonance in my mind from what I believe to what I now know to be true. That's how people change. That's how people change. And that can't be, that can't be, I'm just going to throw as many facts at people as possible because uh, Dr. Leanne Davey told me facts don't solve fights. That, uh, fights and arguments are emotional. <laughs> uh, they're, they're emotionally charged and facts tend to not matter as much. So we've, we've got to find other ways to lead with curiosity to affect change. That's, that's a lot of the exploration that I've been on at least. And I've talked to a lot of people that, that confirm that and back that up. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that's really well said. And I do think people need the autonomy to make their own decisions when, when change is being elicited and you can provide information, you can provide support, you can provide guidance. But again, like you just said, facts don't solve fights. I really like that. Um, because yeah. that's so true because so much of this is, stuff that we kind of feel really deeply rooted in is really emotionally charged and there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of feelings of personalization in a lot of these discussions too and arguments. So I like the fact that if we're thinking about it this way, and like you said, if you answer the question, yes, and as a helper and a mental health professional, I have to move into, I always have to have the mindset that people can change. Yes. And I don't think do this job without that mom. I would question I would question your motivation if you didn't answer that question in the affirmative. Yeah, if you're not answering yes to that and you're a helper, <laughs> I, you may really want to do some evaluation. <laughs> and you know, I can say a little bit of and you know, I talk openly about my own struggles and story all the time on here and in general, but as someone who had a former gambling addiction, which was wreaking havoc on my life, I made a lot of bad decisions and I ostracized myself from my community and I, I definitely ruined a lot of relationships. And in that moment, like you have to even ask yourself in that purely like hellacious time period, is change possible? Because if you can't answer yes in that instance too, even when life feels like, yeah, walls are closing in and there is no way out. Why would you keep going? Like, what would be the motivation to do anything differently? And I think a lot of this is about who we surround ourselves with, who we pay attention to, who we're open to feedback from, who we're seeking guidance and support from. I think all of that stuff matters a lot. And I, I grew up in a like in a a system with friend groups where it was very closed minded. There was a lot of racism. There was a lot of bigotry. There was a lot of uh, insulation and fearfulness and discrimination in the, in the social groups that I was a part of as a child and adolescent. And going to college, like surrounding yourself with different people, being more open-minded, allowing yourself to receive feedback, exploring different cultural identities, sharing space and conversation with people and just being curious, like you mentioned, is life-changing for me. Um, and I think that for a lot of people, you know, the ability to, to have that affirmative answer about change being possible is a, is a definitive yes. And when we're talking about like, this is an entrepreneurial mindset podcast in a lot of ways, 
this impacts entrepreneurial success too. Yes, because it does. if you are like firmly rooted in my business is a disaster, I don't know what I'm doing. You can't be successful doing A, B, C, D, and E, and you surround yourself with those people. Your mindset really does solidify and entrench itself in the negative thinking patterns. But if you're willing to be curious, if you're willing to be open-minded, if you're willing to have conversations with mentors and colleagues and guides and friends, and you're willing to kind of test those limits, that's where you kind of start to see a catalyst for growth as well. That flows into uh, something else that's that's been a spinoff of a lot of the exploration that I've done around this topic, which is our society rewards certainty. We're taught in school uh, through our education system to to find the right answer, the right answer in air quotes, and be certain. And that leaves out an entire aspect of communication of of interacting with other people that makes all of this possible, makes growth and success possible, which is the extraction, which is the curious mindset, which is um, uh, wanting to wanting to explore and being open to the possibility of change in yourself while not necessarily making it a goal to change someone else. We reward certainty, especially in business. Every entrepreneur has to walk into, you know, the 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 boardroom or the investment room, or or what have you, a, the a, a meeting with a potential new client, and the expectation and the pressure is you must be certain in your ability to do the job. Full stop. And there's an aspect of that. Yes, you want to have confidence. But that leaves out curiosity. If you are certain and you have to, and you go into every situation where you feel you have to know the answer and and be right, then what does that do to your own mental health? What does that do to the pressure that you feel day in and day out? Because honestly, none of us have all the answers. But if we walk around where we feel like we have to have all the answers, Man, you're getting into some dangerous, dangerous places where you feel like your business success is your success. And that's a slippery slope. That's a really, really slippery slope. It's a really dangerous ground because that's where imposter syndrome and this paralyzing perfectionism surfaces really intensely too. When you're feeling like, oh, go ahead, sorry. Or, well, I, and I, I would add to that, or, or failure feels like the end. Right. Yes. And, and read into that statement however you feel. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Nick Westergaard hosts a great podcast called On Brand. Nick, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. On Brand features my conversations with smart marketers and agency professionals, as well as those working for innovative brands like Adobe, Ben & Jerry's, MasterCard, Salesforce, and more. Tune in and you'll learn how to tell stronger stories and build better brands. Amazing. Where can people subscribe. You can go to onbrandpodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcast.net, or search for On Brand with Nick Westergaard wherever you get your podcasts. That's two A's in Westergaard. You heard him. Go subscribe. Failure for me 
you know, we talk so much about normalizing fear and failure on this podcast because I think it's so important because I think you're right. Like if you're walking around in the business world as an entrepreneur feeling like I have to have it all together all the time, I have to know everything. I don't, I think it's almost, um, kind of distancing you from humility. It's kind of distancing you from second guessing and some anxiety because some of this is really helpful but we've been trained and taught like you aren't supposed to be anxious. You're supposed to be confident. You're not supposed to doubt yourself and you're supposed to go into every situation already knowing like you're the expert, but I don't think that's really reality. Like you can certainly study and train and, you know, develop skill sets and, and habits that make you, you know, more successful or more confident. But I think that dose of like humility and self doubt and insecurity is actually quite helpful because it does, like you're mentioning, allow you to be curious about the alternative explanations, the alternative solutions. Because if everything you do is black and white and it's like, if this does not work, my pitch, my program, my pod, whatever, and it doesn't work and it flops, and you mentioned like failure being the end, then it's very easy to just give up. And it's very easy to just say, yeah, I wasn't cut out for this or I'm not good at this or this is a direct reflection of my self-worth. When in reality, if you can reframe that as like, this is just kind of testing the waters and it's kind of giving me insight into what to shift or change or how to evolve or adapt and pivot. And I think those qualities make really successful entrepreneurs and human beings. You're you're talking a lot about um, one of my favorite models or theories. Have you have you heard of the Dunning Kruger effect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you've got that initial Neil deGrasse Tyson, the the astro- astrophysicist, said it best. One of the one of the greatest challenges in the modern world is is knowing enough to believe that you are right, but not knowing enough to know that you are wrong. I love that. Um, it's from his advertisement for his masterclass, actually. <laughs> but um, you have that initial point where it is the the peak of Mount Stupid is what it's called on the Dunning-Kruger effect curve, where you you know a little bit to think that you are are so right and and certain. It's that certainty we we just talked about. And then you know, you start to learn a little bit more and you you fall off this cliff into this this valley or this pit of despair. Where you're like, I know nothing. I'm a failure. This is the worst. I thought I knew all this and I've been doing everything wrong. And then once you start to come out of that, if you push through that, you come up to what is eventually called the peak of enlightenment where and and the plateau of sustainability where you are, your focus is on consistent growth and learning from failure. And and this, this idea that you always have something else to learn from or and i recently spoke with um on my show the follow-up question her name is uh raquel garcia former 13 years sober former drug addict um just multiple traumas in her life and you said something earlier patrick that real that she reiterated and that has been reiterated to me in, in many conversations i've had on this topic which is you must have community. You must have connection. There must be something there that can, someone or some group of people can pour into you to 
get you out of that valley of despair, that pit of despair from the the Princess Bride. <laughs> you're in you're in the pits of despair. <laughs> um, you've got to have that community. That like community coming back to coming back to plate people and and places that can ground you, that can help you reset. Um, that is so very necessary when we're talking about entrepreneurship, when we're talking about change from from gambling addiction or or drug over um, drug problems or alcoholism or what ha- any number that of of issues that people could be dealing with, a connection to community is what can pull you out of it. Absolutely. So I, I want to affirm that answer that you or that thing you said, you know, kind of in passing earlier. So true, man. So very true. Yeah, I agree. I, one, I agree with the uh, imagery and and discussion around the pit of despair and just finding <laughs> that enlightenment. And also, you know, I think that's so helpful. You know, as far as human beings and and entrepreneurs like to to struggle, to come out of it, to use the resources, to collaborate, to connect, to doubt yourself and do it anyway. I'm going to trademark that phrase. And but. I think that's so useful and it's so grounding in a lot of ways because I don't really walk into most situations like 100% confident about my ability. It's probably more so like I'm feeling like really out of my element, but that driving force is actually really motivating for me and it also allows me to connect to humanness and it allows you to show that human side that is relatable, which I think allows us to really trust each other when we're able to disclose and, and be honest about our experiences. Like, I've spoken at conferences and just admitted immediately. I'm like, whoa, I'm on stage and I'm like, I'm having major imposter syndrome. I feel really fraudulent and my heart is beating like a mile a minute. You say that in front of an audience and everyone's like nodding their head and affirming that. And then you're like, oh, all right, I feel okay. Now I can talk about the thing that I actually know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But I agree with your comment about community. And I think for most people, whether we're talking about addiction, whether we're talking about any sort of struggle, like, the opposite of the struggle is probably having connection and community and support. And Gabor Mate always talks about that. Uh, Johan Hari like talks about that, about addiction being the opposite of connection. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And I yep. believe that in more than just addiction, uh, I believe that in just life yeah. and how often we feel so disconnected from each other and how often like we're on social media and maybe there's a facade or maybe there's lots of relationships, but behind the scenes, there can be a lot of loneliness, disconnection and isolation. It really does make these, this positive change or the ability to change feel more challenging when you are constantly like berating yourself or, or just holding yourself to these unrealistic standards of the coaches that you follow or the entrepreneurs you follow or the podcast that you follow. And you, it can create this image of like, Everyone else has it all together but me. And I just cannot stress enough to those of you listening that that could not be further from the truth. Like anyone you follow who has a successful following, business, whatever, has struggles. I promise you there is no one out there who's like, this has just been a fucking breeze. And like everything (laughs) is so natural and easy. It's just not reality. So really important to remind us of our humanness of just like, we need connection. We need support. We need to support one another and listen to each other. And we're not always going to agree on everything. I think that's also important to remember too. Like, yeah. I don't really want to exist in an echo chamber. I know my values. I know where I'm rooted and where I stand on, on issues. But I also don't want to surround myself with just yes people. 
I don't want to surround myself with people who are always just going to tell me what I want to hear. That's not helpful. Like that doesn't create growth. That actually creates stagnation. And that was actually the topic of my second TEDx talk, which is... um, We didn't rehearse uh, any of those. No, we did not. I, I, I titled it, Are You a Peacekeeper or a Peacemaker? And a, and a peacekeeper does exactly what you just said, Patrick. You you go into your your bubble. You create this this illusion of peace by never making anything hard or challenging or d- uh, uncomfortable. And a peace and so you may feel peaceful, but it's an illusion because you always know that there is like this. I call it the specter of disharmony. It's this ghostly figure just like lurking off to the side that you know at any moment your life could be in disarray just from one interaction from one person. Right. A peacemaker actively seeks out that that real, true, authentic peace. And peace does not mean to what you just said. It does not mean we agree on everything. It does not mean that we align on our values even. We may value the same thing. They just may may be in a different order of alignment. But it can quiet the little voice in your head where you say, you know what? I'm good. We disagree. I understand where they're coming for. I can have empathy for that person. We disagree. Here are some things that we're going to focus on where we have some common ground and where we can actually affect change and move change forward. So, yeah, I the topic of peace is a is a, <laughs> a whole nother thing. But um, yeah, I, I lost my train of thought there. But I, I I do agree. It is you can't just shrink into into yourself, for sure. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, I take the mindset in a lot of these situations of going back to what I said earlier about certainty. Take the mindset of being an explorer rather than an expert and see how that changes your feelings of imposter syndrome, your feelings of having to have all the right answers. If you're an explorer, you're just you're just finding out what's out there. And then you're relaying that back to us as, hey, look what I found, rather than, hey, look what I know. It's a fun way to think about it. <laughs> I like that. I think that's super helpful. And for those of you listening, I know a lot of you struggle with imposter syndrome and feeling inadequate or like you're not doing enough. And we can move through the world with curiosity, even when that imposter syndrome is showing up, that anxiety, that self-doubt, you can be really curious about it. Like, hey, I always do this now. Like I used to allow imposter syndrome to paralyze and debilitate. Yeah. But now I just embrace it. And I'm like, okay, it's surfacing. And then I check in with myself. Like, why is it surfacing? What's coming up for me around whatever's happening? It's a lot more manageable to try to to combat it that way instead of just being like oh shit like i don't know what i'm doing shut everything down and like let it dictate your life and circumstances and decision making so just really being curious and i think when we're taking risks like you should have a little doubt you should have a little anxiety like i don't want to just dive off the deep end like (laughs) to every decision i make so I do want to question myself. I just don't want to question myself so much that I never make the decision. And I think that has been a mental shift for me. And that has been a change for me over the last three years when I kept myself small, decided nobody would ever buy coaching for me. Nobody would ever hire me to help them with their practices. 
And I was like, I'll just have my own practice over here. It's fine. I'm full. I'm bored. Like I need other things to do. My brain was like really understimulated. And I did that for years. I've talked about this on this podcast before. And then when I just made the decision, because I connected with a, a mentor and we processed it and I was like, okay, I'm putting this out to the world that I'm going to start a coaching business to help therapists start their practices. And that's where it started in August of 2020. And here we are in uh, May of 2023. And I just sold out three international retreats in 12 hours. Phenomenal. It's crazy. but Phenomenal, like, man. That never happens <laughs> if I never make that decision to start the thing, to change my mindset about what I was capable of and what I was capable of creating. And I think so many of us just miss out on life because we just don't try. So for those of you listening, I just want to encourage you to just try. Put the idea out to the world. Put it out there to supportive people, not people who are going to say like, oh, that idea sucks. Nobody's ever going to pay you for that. That's, those are not the people you want to surround yourself with. But it really is important to just try and get started and take that first step and acknowledge like it's going to be a bumpy road. Entrepreneurship is not an easy like life all the time, despite social media's images and videos. Like yeah. it is 90% behind <laughs> the scenes, like questioning everything and 10% of like, this is amazing, but <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think it allows you as you start taking these risks and changing your mindset and surrounding yourself with different people, each additional risk doesn't get less risky, but it gets so much easier to make the decision to take it. And for me, that is everything. Like renting an entire medieval Italian village is an enormous <laughs> risk. I'm basically throwing like an enormous wedding slash conference summit for therapists and mental health entrepreneurs. But I had to step into that and embrace that that fearfulness and that anxiety and that self-doubt to create something really spectacular. So I think that's the message that I really want to offer today in this conversation and what we're talking about. And had it failed, Patrick, and it's not because it sold out, but had it failed, it would not have been a reflection on you. It would have just simply been something you explored that you realized, hey, doesn't work this way that I tried to do it. Yep. And even leaning into that imposter syndrome, like you said, when you're on a stage and thinking, what am I doing here? Even just calling it out and saying, you know what? I feel like an imposter right now, but we're going to dig into this a little bit more and explore why. Yep. Leading with that curiosity, setting your certainty aside and realizing failure is not a reflection on you, the person, man, you're going to, you're going to go some places if you take that mindset. Couldn't say it better myself. And I think... Again, for those of you listening, whether it's a practice, whether it's a podcast, a coaching program, whether it's just considering leaving your agency job to start your own business, that is enough. Just that thought right there is enough to be that catalyst for momentum. And then it's just about whenever I name and claim and I put imposter syndrome out to the world or self-doubt, it kind of gives you back the power and control. Because when you don't allow it to get out of your head or your body and it's just manifesting and ruminating, that's where all the illogical thinking and irrational thought patterns and fearfulness comes in because you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to work. And then that thought leads to another thought, which leads to another thought. Just put it out to the fucking world and, and just watch it and pay attention and be curious about the shift 
psychologically and somatically, like the feeling in your body when you're like, this is what I'm feeling like, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's really transformative and it's really freaking powerful. I love it, man. That's a, that's a great, great place to leave it. I think (laughs) this has been fun. And you know, this is another good example for everyone listening. Like I don't, we don't script these podcasts. We just see where the conversations go. And I think this is a great example of just being willing, both of us to be like, Hey, here's the topic loosely. We're going to see where it goes. And I think for all of you, just try to embrace your sense of self and your sense of confidence. Like, you know what you're talking about and it's okay to feel uncomfortable about how you show up and it will get easier over time. Um, Michael, thank you so much for making the time, man. It's been a pleasure getting to know you this year. And for those of you who don't know, Michael is the director of marketing with the receptionist for iPad. They've been a sponsor of the podcast for a while now. And I only allow these types of conversations in terms of sponsorship or collaboration or partnership with businesses and people I trust because it's a reflection of me. It's a reflection of my reputation. If I send you to a, a web designer or a, someone who does SEO or mows lawns, who just doesn't show up, takes your money, doesn't do the service well, that's a reflection on me. So I really wholeheartedly believe in what they're doing, their vision, their values, and the product they offer. So Michael, please tell the audience where they can find more of what you're doing. I appreciate that, man. And and yeah, we, we are a... a client, we call it a client check-in system. So for the folks walking in your office or your, your location, you, you're in a session, they need a way to check in and let you know that they're there. So, so that, that kind of anxiety of your visit kind of decreases a little bit. That's what our system helps you do. And, and we do that for hundreds and hundreds of private practices, um, even one and two person private practices. Uh, around the world, really. Um, we're in 30, 38 different countries. Not all of them are private practices, obviously. But um, yeah, you can check out thereceptionist.com slash private practice. If you sign up for a 14-day free trial there, you also get your first month with us free. So it's kind of like a month and a half with the 14-day free trial that you can get for free. And yeah, man, we're, we are such a, a proud partner of, of the work that you're doing because of this conversation that we've had right now. Like this is exactly what uh, we, these are the conversations we have internally as a leadership team at the receptionist and and with our our employees and the types of conversations that we have on our podcast, The Fabric. We want people to show up. At, a fabric stands for our core values, fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. And that A is authentic. We want people in business to be more authentic than a lot of the examples that are out there of entrepreneurship and and what that looks like this this costume that you have to put on to be an entrepreneur or, or that so many people think you have to put on to, to be an entrepreneur to go back to that certainty you've got to put on the costume of certainty and i know it all and i i never fail <laughs> and that's that's not the real world just like just like um forcing change is not real like we discussed earlier this costume of of certainty and and that you have all, it all together in entrepreneurship is not real and we want to change the conversation around what building a great business looks like and we happen to sell a, a product that helps you succeed in that that endeavor <laughs> so i appreciate it man it's it's been a wonderful wonderful partnership with you and the show um you know just the the folks who have connected with us through this show are are wonderful 
uh, wonderful customers of ours now and couldn't be happier, man. So props to you and the success that you're having too. Those we'll, we'll be, we'll talk offline on uh, getting the receptionist in front of some of those folks at those events too. <laughs> Sounds good, man. And again, for everyone listening, that's the receptionist.com slash private practice. And that will be in the show notes. So you all have easy access to that. And again, I could not recommend it highly enough. Um, for everyone listening to the All Things Private Practice podcast, new episodes are out every single week on all major podcast platforms. Make sure to like, download, subscribe, and share. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. We'll see you next week. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Nick Westergaard hosts a great podcast called On Brand. Nick, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening. On Brand features my conversations with smart marketers and agency professionals, as well as those working for innovative brands like Adobe, Ben & Jerry's, MasterCard, Salesforce, and more. Tune in and you'll learn how to tell stronger stories and build better brands. Amazing. Where can people subscribe. You can go to onbrandpodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcast.net, or search for On Brand with Nick Westergaard wherever you get your podcasts. That's two A's in Westergaard. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.